Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Good morning. Let's stand to our feet. We have good news today. Grace awaits each and every one of us. The Word of God says, if you, God, kept a record of wrongs, who could stand? But you are forgiving, and that is why we worship you. And it also says, you, brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Can you say freedom? Freedom. In Him and through Him, we may approach God with confidence and with freedom. That is God's word and blessing for us today. So Cathedral, if you believe that, put your hands together. Can you declare that again? Can you say freedom? Yes, let's worship.
Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hey, let's go.
Shout it out, shout it out. Come on, Cathedral. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Freedom. There's something about a shout. There's something about a shout sometimes. Sometimes there's a shout of celebration, rejoice, and happiness. And sometimes there's a shout that comes from a deep, different place, Bishop. There's a shout that comes that literally scares the enemy. And I feel right now that there's a different type of shout we need right here in this moment, this service. Someone watching, someone here standing. I felt literally gripped by one of the lyrics about three minutes ago, says, I will live and not die. I feel like someone is afraid of death. Someone here is literally afraid of death. I don't know if it's your own, a loved one, maybe it's the death of a dream, but there's something that's trying to taunt you. And I believe that there's a shout that comes out of the believer in a moment like this, that can, that God's spirit rides in on when it says he's pushing back the darkness. He's pushing back. Look, every single one of us, man, we're standing in the middle of the trenches. Just because you're not on a stage, just because you're not on a mic or not in front of a camera, doesn't mean you're not in the trenches in the kingdom of God. You've got a post and the spirit of darkness is trying to overwhelm, it's trying to infiltrate, it's trying to intimidate each and every one of us. It's trying to get us to back away from what God has called us to do. And I believe that God is asking us in this moment to stir up a shout because, I don't know, like the, I'm reminded of the story of Gideon, when there was a shouting that took place and it's, it's confused the enemy. And I believe that we're in this moment. There's a moment we're standing in. There's a moment we're standing in right here. And I want you to know that you're not alone standing where you're at. Look around you. We're all in this together. And even greater than that, if God is standing for us, what could possibly be standing against us? So part of the beauty of these moments is not that we just sing a song and that we get our blood flowing, it's that we remind and set ourselves back on the center of the truth. And we set and we stand on this firm foundation and we remind ourselves that it's not our righteousness but His. We're reminded that it's not my ability but it's His. Cathedral of Faith, do you feel the moment? Do you feel the moment? And I believe that right now, I believe God's asking us to lift up a shout. And again, it's not a shout of just, I feel happy and sad, and I'm just rejoicing. It's a shout of God come to my defense. God ride in on this sound, on this vibration. God move, push back the darkness push back the taunting, push back the intimidation of the enemy. Some of us need to be set free here today. And just as we sang, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom. Some of us need to get our song back. Some of us need to get our preaching back. We need to get our sound back. We need to get our confidence back. We need to get our courage back. So in this moment, I believe that the sound can break something in the spirit realm. So on the count of three, Cathedral of Faith, how about a shout of desperation? How about a shout of cry of freedom? A cry of freedom in this moment. Come on, lift up your voice. One, two, three.
God, we thank you for the freedom that is in your spirit. Set your people free. The rest of this service, I believe the Spirit of God is going to speak through Pastor Ken in this moment, and it's going to culminate at a moment at the Lord's table. Cathedral of Faith, is your heart ready to hear the Word of God? Is your heart ready to receive the Spirit and the moment of God? Come on, we, let's put our hands together before anybody's seated. Come on, let's honor and adore Him. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your presence. In the name of Jesus, all of God's people shouted. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hello, Cathedral friends and family. Thanks so much for being here with us today. We've got some exciting things coming up. Here's what's going on. First off, if you're new around here, welcome. We'd love for you to stop by the tents in the amphitheater following service for a free cup of coffee and to meet some of our team members. Now, whether it's your first time here or you've been with us for a while, you can pick up a card on the seat back in front of you or at one of our guest centers. Scan the QR code where you get information on how to get connected, volunteer, give, and submit a prayer request. Thanksgiving Eve service is coming up on Wednesday, November 23rd at 7.30 p.m. We invite you and your family to enjoy service together in the sanctuary for communion, worship, and a time to express gratitude together. You might have noticed these donation bins all around campus, which means it is time for our annual toy drive. If you would like to register to receive toys, you can stop by the kiosk in the lobby following service or text TOYS22 to the number on the screen. You can bring a new unwrapped toy and leave it in the bin. No time to pick up a toy? You can donate to our Amazon wish list by texting WISH22 to the number on the screen. As always, for everything that's happening here at the church, you can download our new app, check out the church website, follow us on social media, or give us a call at the church office. Have a great weekend. All right, come on, Cathedral, let's give it up for the Lord. Amen. Wow, what a powerful time of worship this morning. Man, it's so good to be at Cathedral today, amen. You know, every time in Scripture, God is so simple. We, we're the ones who try to com complicate things. But God uses very simple things to communicate to us, like um, an open door or an open window, or a closed door or a closed window. And today, as we prepare to um, give our tithes and offering, I'm going to share that concept of something being open. Uh, the Scripture I'm going to share with us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, very familiar to you says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be food uh, enough in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Wow, that's powerful, man. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the original word here for window is floodgate in the Hebrew. Floodgate. That means that, you know, something is being held back. Big storeroom, big storehouse, a big, a big amount of blessings. And God declares this today, that as we are obedient to God's word, and we do it out of love for God, we give, in, we give our tithes and our offering, God will literally open those floodgates and pour out blessings to our lives. That's what his promise is for us today. So as we prepare to give our, our tithes and offering to the Lord, we do it in a concept of worship and praise because it's not just singing, so it's not just praising, but it's also given unto the Lord as well. Pray with me for a moment. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us today to gather in your name, to worship you and praise you. And Lord, as we come together to praise you and worship you with our offering and our tithes, we pray, Lord, that you would bless us that you would literally open the windows of heaven
heaven, those floodgates, and pour out your blessings into our lives, so much that we won't have enough room to take it in. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, and Cathedral says, amen. amen. Hey, you know what? I want you to get your lives ready, because Pastor Ken is back in town, all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow, man, does he have a powerful message for us today. So get your lives ready as God speaks into our lives with Pastor Ken. God bless. great to see everybody. Hallelujah. Cathedral of Faith, God is good. And all the time. It is so good to see our cathedral family. Wow, I sure have missed you. And uh, whether you're here on site or those watching online, you know, thank you so much for your prayers. My wife and I had the privilege of, of being over in Italy here recently. And we had the chance to minister over in Italy. And then I have the privilege of serving on the board of directors of one of the main evangelical ministries in Italy. And they're doing amazing work. I mean, when Franklin Graham comes into Italy, they go through Italy for Christ. When uh, the Museum of the Bible goes to Italy, they go through Italy for Christ. And even the cardinal, one of the cardinals in the Vatican was talking to our friend Gaetano recently and said, please have Italy for Christ, evangelize Italy. We need people to know Jesus. And so God's at work in a big way over in Italy. And because of Cathedral of Faith and the work that we've done in supporting refugees, Ukrainian refugees, over in Italy, we were able to see the work that's going on. And let's give God praise, amen, for what God is doing over in Italy through Cathedral of Faith. And in fact, I was, when I was preaching, there was a song that they sang during service, and I said, I recognize that song. I didn't know the words, but I knew the music. And so I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you would, and sing this chorus that we were singing over in Italy just to a week ago, and you can sing it in whatever language you want to sing it in, but the song goes, How Great Thou Art. And so I want to join with all believers around the world who are singing this song today. Let's lift our voice. Pastor Vaughn, would you lead us? And sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, then saves my soul, my soul. God praise. Amen. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You're at work around the world in so many different ways. Amen. Well, I didn't learn a whole lot of Italian while I was over there, but I did learn this. Buongiorno. So before you're seated, why don't you be all Italian with me for a moment and look at somebody and tell them buongiorno. Oh, Again, it's so great to see everybody. We are doing a deep dive into the Ten Commandments. And speaking of Museum of the Bible, did you know that the Bible, the full Bible, has been translated in over 700 languages? That the New Testament has been translated in over 1,500 languages? That portions of the Bible have been translated into another 1,100 languages. The Bible is the most translated uh, book in the history of the world. Can we give God praise for the scriptures? Amen. 
Now, I stumbled across a translation of the Bible that was quite a bit unique. In fact, it was translated into Hawaiian slang dialect. And so I looked up the Ten Commandments in this Hawaiian slang dialect, and I was going to read it to you, but I did not feel that I could do it justice. So I've asked Pastor Ramel to come out and read the Ten Commandments in Hawaiian. Would you give Pastor Ramel a great big welcome? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ramel, help us out. How's it, Cathedral Ohana? This is the Ten Commandments Hawaiian style. <laughs> First, God is noka oi, the best, number one. And uh, no make the kind statues, okay? And watch your mouth. No swear with God's name. And on Sunday, no can do nothing. And listen to your mother and your father. And no kill nobody. And no go moi moi with your brother's wahine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and no cockroach, nothing. And no lie, brah. And no be jealous of one another person's stuff. And no talk stink about nobody. Mumbai, you get bachi. Aloha ke akua. God bless, Cathedral. Thank you, Pastor Amel. <laughs> so today, we're going to look at number eight. No cockroach nothing. <laughs> or as it says in the NIV translation, you shall not steal. Would you say that with me? You shall not steal. Now that seems pretty straightforward. Don't take something that doesn't belong to you. In fact, in virtually every uh, ancient uh, Eastern law code, you'll find this same regulation, which means that it must have been a problem. And that's why it needed to be put in the law code. And it seems it wasn't even a pro uh, problem in the ancient uh, Near East, but also in the Apostle Paul's day, it was still an issue in the first century. In Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, anyone who has been stealing must never steal again. Instead, they must what? They must do something useful with their own hands. Then they will have something to give to people in need. Notice what Paul does. He says, stop stealing, but he doesn't stop there. He says, if you have a garden, don't just pull out the weeds. Instead, plant some flowers. So stop taking something that doesn't belong to you, but instead work so you can give to somebody something that doesn't belong to them. You can share and be generous. And that's the other side of the coin. Don't steal, but instead be generous. Proverbs chapter 11 puts it this way. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped Let's pray. Father, thank you for our cathedral family. Thank you for those who are here that are part of the family, guests, friends, those who are watching online, those who are here on campus. God, already we've been connecting with you through the service, and I pray that we would all hear the one thing we need to hear, that we can take it, apply it to our lives this week, and this week will be different because we've met you in this moment. That's our heart that's our desire, and all God's people said amen. amen and amen. Can we give God praise one more time for his word, amen? <laughs> Don't steal, but be generous. Now, I have here a jersey that I brought from home. This is my jersey from college. And if you want to know how good I was in college, the older I get, the better I was. Now, this jersey is over 40 years old, and it's got stains, and it's tattered, and when I put it on, it only fits halfway up my stomach anymore. That's this jersey, but if my wife and my, my daughter, if they're embarrassed by this jersey and they try to throw it away, I tell them, take your hands off of my jersey. Because that jersey doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. This is my stuff. And the commandment today 
is about your stuff. It's about your stuff. Have you noticed that in America, well, we always have stuff, and the longer that you live, the more stuff that you have. I mean, when I went to college, I could fit all my stuff into the trunk of a car. And then I got married, and my stuff fit into the back of a pickup. But then you move into your first house, and your stuff, it fits into a moving van. And then when you retire, your stuff fits into an 18-wheeler. Hello! We have more stuff than anybody in the history of the world. In fact, we have so much stuff, there's an industry that takes care of our stuff. The self-storage industry. We have so much stuff, we tell somebody, look, I'm gonna pay you to take care of my stuff. And this commandment is about the stuff we have. About respecting our stuff. That I respect your stuff, and you respect my stuff. That there is a place for our stuff. I mean, if our stuff isn't, didn't matter, I guess it's, it's true that we can, well, our stuff can matter too much and we can be too attached to our stuff. Instead of living with our stuff, we can live for our stuff. And we can too, put too much emphasis on our property and possessions. But our stuff does have some place in our lives. If it didn't have any place, then why would there be a commandment not to steal? Don't take somebody else's stuff. You see, there's a proper relationship and attachment we can have to our stuff. And this commandment, it draws this line of respect. I respect your stuff, you respect my stuff. In fact, one of the ways God blesses us, it's not the only way he blesses us, but one of the ways he blesses us is with property and possessions. When's the last time you've thanked God for the stuff that he's blessed you with? In the Bible, in Deuteronomy chapter eight, God says to the people, for when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful, remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful. And all God's people said amen to that. God gives us the power to be successful. And we're grateful for how he blesses us. And this commandment teaches us to respect each other's stuff. See, there's a legitimate attachment we have to our stuff. And that's why when someone steal something from you. Have you ever had something stolen from you? I, I, I used to have a pickup truck and I'll never forget going and I got the stereo put in, a, in my pickup, new stereo, and the very next day, somebody decided to take it from me. And they stole the stereo the very next day. I wonder if that was an inside job. And it's funny because in that moment, I just didn't feel a pain in the pocketbook. I felt kind of this weird pain that I had been violated, that not only had my stuff been violated, but because there's an attachment there to my stuff, there was a violation in that sense of me. And that's why even the right to private property, you can trace it back all the way to the 10 commandments. The Bible says we need to respect each other's stuff. I respect your stuff, you respect my stuff. This is a sermon about stuff. And for the next few moments, I wanna give you three things to think about as we think about our stuff. Now, first of all, when it comes to getting stuff, the way that you get it is important. The way you get it is important. And during the pandemic, there was a man by the name of David Hines, and he filed... Uh, for relief from the uh, federal payroll protection program. He wanted to make sure he could keep operating his four businesses and his 70 employees. And so he was able to get $13 million in relief from the government. There was only one problem. He didn't have four businesses and he didn't have 70 employees. And he took that $13 million and he spent it on jewelry and on clothing. He even bought a blue Lamborghini. I didn't even know they came in blue. 
Now, what was the issue? The issue isn't having a nice car. It's that he had to steal in order to get a nice car. See, the way I get something matters. There was a man by the name of Zacchaeus in the Bible. The Bible calls him the chief tax collector. That means he was not just a tax collector. He was the director. He was the supervisor. And that means he was really hated because tax collectors in that day were not very popular. I found a comic and Snoopy is sitting, he's typing a letter and he says, Dear IRS, I'm writing to you to cancel my subscription. Please remove my name from your mailing list. I guess tax collectors have never been that popular. But this was especially true in Zacchaeus' day because Zacchaeus would have been a Jewish man working for the Roman Empire, so his fellow Jews viewed him as a traitor. And not only that, but because he had the power of the Roman Empire behind him, he could not only charge what he was supposed to charge, he could charge as much as he want. And so Zacchaeus became very wealthy. Again, there's not a problem with being wealthy. There's a name for businesses that don't make a profit. They're called out of business. And so there's nothing wrong with making a profit in business, but he had extorted his way to that profit. And then he hears about this man named Jesus. And he becomes curious. And he goes out to see Jesus. Now Zacchaeus is vertically challenged. And nobody's given him a front row seat. They don't like him. So he climbs up in a tree. He sees Jesus, but more importantly, Jesus sees him. Let me say that again. It's good to see Jesus, but even more importantly, it's good for Jesus to see you. Amen? Because when Jesus sees you, that makes all the difference in the world. And Jesus sees him. And nobody is outside the reach of Jesus. So he tells Zacchaeus to come down, that he must go to his house. It's not an option. I must go to your house. And during their conversation, Zacchaeus' heart is so touched by the person of Jesus. Zacchaeus tells Jesus, he says this, look, Lord, here and now I give half of what I owe to those who are poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay it back. I will pay back four times the amount I took. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. That's the power of Jesus, amen? That Jesus can change the heart of a crooked businessman. Nobody is outside the reach of Jesus. See, the stuff that we have See, it's important the way that we get our stuff, it matters. And it's also important the way we give our stuff and are generous to others. That matters too. Jesus once said this regarding our giving to others. He said, when you do a kindness to someone, do it secretly. Don't let your left hand, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you. And I was thinking, how about if that becomes our cathedral challenge for the week? You've heard of secret Santa? How about if this week we all become secret saints? And we decide we're going to lean into the words of Jesus and we're going to bless somebody. We're going to bless them with a card. It may be a gas card. It may be an Applebee's card. It may be a Starbucks card. It may be a card of encouragement. But we're going to bless somebody else with a card, and they're not going to know that we're the one that blessed them. It's going to be in secret. The only reason we're going to do it is to sense this Father's smile on our life. And the Bible says that the Father who sees what we do in secret, that he is the one that rewards us. Can we give him praise, amen? That's the cathedral challenge for the week. Be a secret saint. So when it comes to our stuff, first of all, the way we get it matters. And then the secondly, a second thing to think about is that when you, when you get your stuff in the wrong way, somebody is always hurt in the process. 
Somebody's always hurt. I heard about this husband who said to his wife, I'm gonna fire the maid. She's stealing from us. And the wife says, well, what's she taking? And the husband said, she's taking those towels from the Holiday Inn. <laughs> Hello. They took those towels from the Holiday Inn, but somehow they made a distinction between stealing from a company and stealing from a person. And sometimes we can feel that way when it comes to theft, that when we steal from a person, we never do that. But when it comes to a company, well, that's a victimless crime. <laughs> and yet, whenever you take something from someone else that doesn't belong to you, it always hurts somebody. Because guess what happens in those companies? They pass on the cost to us. And the prices go up, and the wages go down, and they cut back on their jobs. In fact, the National Retail Association said that there's about $70 billion in retail theft every year, and that cost about 650,000 jobs. Whenever I take something that doesn't belong to me, there's never a victimless crime. Somebody always gets hurt. Back in the ancient days when, well, you, you had sheep and cattle and donkeys, and they would often wander off of your property. And if someone found them, well, you know how in our day we have a saying, it goes, finders, keepers. Let's check it again. Finders, keepers. But back in that day, it wasn't finders, keepers, losers, weepers. According to the Bible, if you found your neighbor's donkey, even if it was your enemy, Here's what you were to do. It said, if you come upon your enemy's ox or donkey that is strayed away, take it back to its owner. You see that the donkey of someone who hates you, has, if you see that the donkey of someone who hates you has collapsed under its load, do not walk by. Instead, stop and help. This is what I call the golden rule of stuff. Treat other people and their stuff and the way that you would want them to treat you and your stuff. Boy, this can apply in so many ways. Recently, I was, uh, you know, I was trying to uh, find a parking spot at Kaiser. I needed to pop in and get a prescription, and it was packed. The parking lot was packed, and there was traffic. And then I saw a spot on the street, and I was trying to parallel park it, <laughs> but it was tight and it was busy and somebody filmed it of all things. Watch the screens and you can see what they filmed. Don't you hate when that happens, right? Now, of course, that wasn't me. But I was trying to parallel park. It was tight. And all of a sudden, I hear a And I backed into the parked car. And I finished parking. I got out. And I went and looked at my bumper. There's no damage. And I went and looked at his bumper. And there was no damage. And so in that moment, I had a decision to make. Would I leave a note or would I not leave a note? And I decided that I should leave a note because, well, I want to treat their property as I would want someone to treat my property. And so here's the note that I wrote to them. I wrote this. I said, I hit your car. I am leaving this note because someone is watching. They are still watching. Okay, I'm good, my bad. <laughs> That's not what I left. I left my name and my number. Why? Because that's the golden rule of stuff. And you know the other reason I did that? I mean, how much is your integrity worth? I was thinking about that. I mean, you get a bill at a restaurant and you see that, 
Wow, they forgot to charge you for one of your entrees. Is my integrity worth that? No way. Say that with me. No way. Say it again. No way. Or I go to the bank and the teller's supposed to give me tens, but instead gives me twenties by mistake. Hallelujah. <laughs> Is my integrity worth that? No what? Or I take credit at work when it's really my coworker that did all the heavy lifting? Is my integrity worth that? No what? No or I steal the reputation of someone by slandering them on Facebook? Is my integrity worth that? No what? No or I take a tax deduction for kids that don't even exist? I mean, is my integrity worth that? What? See, whenever I take something that doesn't belong to me, it always hurts someone, and the person it hurts most is me. Because my integrity and my character and my conscience is way too valuable to compromise it in any of those ways. And so that's why the Bible says, it matters. The way you get something matters because when you get it in the wrong way, it always hurts. And then finally, though, when you get it in the right way, when you get stuff in the right way, I can bless others, I can be generous, and I can honor God with my stuff. I can honor God with my stuff. Amen? Do you remember Mr. Bean? Mr. Bean was once in church and they were singing and he's trying to get with the program but he's having a hard time. See if you can identify with Mr. Bean. You ever felt like that? You know, when we come to church, that's one of the things we do. We sing. Can we give it up for Pastor Bond and our worship team as they lead us in singing? Yeah. They do such an awesome job. When we come to church, one of the things we do is pray. Can we give it up for Pastor Shelley and our prayer team as they lead us in prayer? When we go to church, one of the things we do is we preach. Can we give it up for our preaching team? Dr. Wayne, the Bishop E.C., and Pastor Mike, and Pastor John. And also when we come to church, one of the things we do is we give. And this is where it can get awkward. Because we've worked hard for our stuff. We have an attachment to our stuff. And now the church is asking for our stuff. Take your hands off of my stuff. But the Bible has a certain perspective about the church and our stuff. See, there's three ways we can look at our stuff. One way is this, what's yours is mine, and I'm gonna take your stuff. Another way is this, what's mine is mine, is I'm gonna keep my stuff. But there's a third way of looking at our stuff, and that is that what's mine is God's. God is the owner. And I'm the manager of his stuff. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And what that means is I recognize that God is ultimately the owner of all that I have. And one of the ways I'm reminded of that 
is when I bring a portion of what I have and I give it to support his work, the work of the kingdom. And whenever I do that, I'm recognizing that God is my source. He's the ultimate source. And I'm the manager. There was a group of people in the, in the Old Testament and they were supposed to be doing that, taking a portion of what they had and, and giving it to support the work of the kingdom. But they weren't doing it. And so God says something to them and he uses language that I have to say, it was shocking and surprising back then and it's still shocking and surprising to me today. And we read this. Uh, Pastor John mentioned it a moment ago in Malachi 3. It says, well, a mere mortal robbed God, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. That's pretty strong language. But then God says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that they may, there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And that is the, that is the truth about God. You cannot outgive God. Can somebody say amen to that? God's a generous God. And no matter how generous you are, you know, this whole paradigm, if you didn't grow up in church, I mean, this idea of, of taking uh, some of your stuff and giving it away, that may seem like such a radical shift to you. But that's what happens as we begin to follow Jesus and we recognize that everything I have that's good in my life ultimately has come from him. It begins to change the way I relate to my stuff. And I find myself coming to church and, and giving to God. I'm giving at church, but really I'm giving to God. I'm giving through the church and I'm giving to God. And when I recognize that God is the source, it changes even my heart in my giving. That I don't come to church and give to God because I have to. I come to church and give to God because I want to, because God has been so good to me. And you cannot, you cannot, you cannot outgive God. Hallelujah. God is a generous God, and all God's people said, Amen. Bow your heads with me as we prepare to go to the Lord's table. Heavenly Father, thank you for being so generous to us. We recognize, especially today, we are so thankful. Everything good in our lives ultimately has come from your hands. Thank you for, especially in this day, thank you for the stuff that you blessed us with, God. We recognize that you are the owner, we're the managers, but we're grateful that you've entrusted this to us. And Father, I pray that not only would our hearts be turned away from, from stealing, but that would just be the starting point, that you would teach us each this week how to live even more generously as we go through life, that we can be generous, not only with our finances, but in other ways that you've blessed us, oh God, that we can live generous lives because generosity is the way to joy. It's the way we were meant to live. Father, as we come before you today and we prepare our hearts for communion, again, we give you honor and glory and praise because you and you alone are worthy of our praise and adoration. We bring all that we are and all that we have before you today. I invite you to stand with me, please. Take the elements, hold them in your hands. And Pastor Vaughn and the team are coming to lead us. So oh. 
let it be sweet perfume poured out on you. I give you the all the glory belongs to you today. You'll remember that when Jesus went to the cross, he was crucified between two thieves. And both the thieves, they looked at Jesus. They both had the same opportunity. They both had the same amount of information. Both of them looked at Jesus, but only one of them looked to Jesus. And the one who looked to Jesus said, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. That may be the greatest statement of faith that you find in the entire Bible. Jesus, a king? He has no throne but a cross. He has no scepter but nails. He has no crown but thorns. And yet, the thief with eyes of faith looked to Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that becomes his ticket to paradise. And Jesus said, today, today, you will be with me in paradise. As we come to the Lord's table, don't just look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in him. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your brokenness. Thank you for your life-giving power. Thank you for your forgiveness. And today, we look to you in faith. And we eat of the bread of Christ. Let's eat together. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And we look to you today for strength, for hope, for life. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. And now I invite you to say the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the most important prayer we'll ever pray. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Would you say it with me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Cathedral, God is good. And all the time. Well, just a couple quick things before I dismiss you. If you need further prayer, our team will be out at the amphitheater to pray with you and for you right after service. And don't forget, Christmas is right around the corner. And we've got so many things going on. Make sure you check out the website for that. It's sure great to see everybody. I want to speak God's blessing over you as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine brightly upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. And this week, especially this week, may you know, may you know that you know that you're loved by God and you see God most clearly in the face of Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. All God's people said, amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great, great day, Cathedral.